the Bible says that your heart, my heart, is, is like a garden. And if you and I don't tend to our heart, if we don't, if we don't water our heart, if we don't refresh that, if we don't renew that, if we don't uh, come back to God, um, that our hearts can become like that. They can become these really dry, barren places. Um, they can become very uh, uh, fruitless and just starving. And uh, I mean, you could, you, can, you could go to church, you could do different kinds of things, you can go through all the routines. Uh, but if you don't allow God to really uh, go after your heart, and I just so appreciate um, these, what we would call prophetic words that, would, that came this morning. I don't know where you're at on, on, on that, but uh, one of the things that the, the prophetic does is the prophetic tends to highlight something that God wants to say. It's not something he hasn't said before. There is no truth that is new. If it's, if it's a new truth, it's not truth. Uh, but what prophetic does is it highlights something that God wants to, to address. And, and, and as Mike came forward, and as Pat came forward, really this kind of, hey, this returning to God, this kind of coming back to God saying, hey, look, you know, I don't want to be in this dry place. I don't want to live like that. I want to live my life. I, I want to not just know facts about God, but I want to feel uh, who God is. I want uh, a heart that's bursting with, with passion and emotion and fruit. I want it to be alive. I want it to be uh, watered. I want to live in this place of faith, which means I'm just, I'm living for something that's beyond myself. But the only way that that's going to happen is if I come back to him over and over again uh, and say, God, will you do something with my heart? My heart's drifting and, and our hearts tend to drift. Um, uh, you, don't, you don't drift toward God. You drift away from God. And uh, if you don't pay attention to that, in fact, one of the things that Solomon said, and Solomon would be regarded by um, uh, even uh, those outside Christianity as being the, the wisest person ever mentioned. And in his collection of wise sayings and proverbs, he says, this is above all else, which means beyond everything else I, I've, I've mentioned here, do this, guard your heart. You've you got to guard your heart. You've got to make sure that, the, that your heart is, 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 is soft uh, toward him. And so that's what I want to talk about. I don't want to be that person uh, that gets fruit choked out. And I know that you don't either. I know that. And, and so uh, I say we together say, hey, God, we, we want to come to you. We, we want you to do business in our hearts. We want to be refreshed. And, and more than that, we want, we want, I want this place. I like this, this place to be kind of a spiritual oasis for the thirsty. I like this to be a place for where the broken, where the, where the needy, where the, the downcast don't come and, and find a bunch of people who have their nose in the air, but a bunch of people who have their face down before God, who's like, God, will you come and do a work in our will you, will you Will you break up this hard heart of mine? Will you come? Will you renew it? Will you refresh it? And the good news is that he wants to do this. Um, there, there's a lots of places we could go for the bit. Hosea uh, chapter 6. If you have a Bible, turn there real quick for me. Hosea 6. Um, I read out of the ESV uh, mostly. Sometimes I switch it up because I'm not paying attention, if I'm being honest. But usually I try to do the ESV. This is what Hosea 6 verses 1. We have it on. Oh, there it is. Come. Let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down, uh, and he will bind us up. Verse 2, after two days he will revive us. On the third day he will raise us up, that we may live before him. Let us know, let us press on then 
uh, to know the Lord. His going out is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. Now, it's really important when you go to God's word. This is, I, I hope that you are, are someone uh, who, who reads God's word on a regular basis. Even if you're like, man, I'm not a Christian. I don't know. Just, hey, if you're going to read something, man, the Bible's an awesome thing to read. And if you're going to read it and you want to get the most out of it, um, in fact, sometimes it's the only way to get something out of it is to understand the context. Uh, the Bible was not written to uh, 21st century Americans. It was written in a specific, just like any book is, it was written in it to a specific people. And so you have to understand the context. You have to understand what was going on in either the geography or the people to really understand the message for us to apply to us today. And what's going on in this, in Hosea, Hosea is called one of the minor prophets. There are major prophets and minor prophets, but Hosea is one of the most uh, complete um, my, of the minor prophets. And th- in the context, or the theme I should say, uh, of what's happening here is, is God tells this guy, Hosea, this prophet Hosea, he says, I, I want you to marry this woman named Gomer, which nobody names anyone Gomer anymore. Because, and, and we can all blame the Andy Griffith show. <laughs> Golly! I mean, no one wants to name their... Anyway, but Gomer, it was probably a beautiful name back then. Gomer, she ends up... What happens with Gomer, she ends up being a prostitute. And God commands Hosea... To continue to love, to continue to faithfully love an unfaithful woman. And this would become, this was on purpose, this has become a prophetic picture for God's unfaithful, excuse me, for God's faithful love to his unfaithful people. That God's demonstrating that I have made a covenant with you, that I am going to love you, whether you love me or not, whether you've been unfaithful to not. You can run off to other lovers, you can run off to other people, you can run, you can go get stuff from um, other, uh, in their case it was Assyrian gods, Assyrian kings. You can run off and get what you can get, but I'm, I'm going to continue to faithfully love you. If you want to know what it's like for God to love us, to God to love you and I. You could look at this picture. Hosea loving Gomer the prostitute. That's what, that's, what God, that's what God was wanting to communicate. But throughout scripture, and it's here, there's this invitation from God to return to him. You know, seek and you'll find. Knock and it shall be open. But I want to take specifically a look at this passage. Notice first the invitation to return to the Lord. Come to God. You don't have to be where you're at. You don't have to be living this dry state. You don't have to be uh, always coming up empty. You can head in a different direction. Things don't have to be the way you are. You can be renewed. You can be refreshed. Pain become, can become strength. Sorrow become joy. Despair can become purpose. Things don't have to be the way that they are. Well, how can that happen? Well, this is, he, he tells us. He tells us to return to the Lord. Well, when do we do that? When, when do we return to the Lord? Well, we do it now. We, we don't do it, you know, at the end of the year. We, we don't do it when we kind of finally figure it out. In fact, I love what Hebrews 3, 7 says. It says, today, if you hear his voice. It's an important thing, by the way. Uh, if, you, if, you are, if, if you are serious about wanting to uh, track with God, it's very important that you're not just a hearer of truth. We know this from James. You're not just a hearer of truth, but you're a doer, that you respond to what you know. Uh, Jesus flat out tells us in, his, in John's gospel, chapter 13, 17, he says, hey, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. 
Not if you write them down in a notebook. Not if you say, well, that's a nice thought. Blessed are you if you do them. So there is no, yeah, okay, I, I know, I know I'm, not, I'm not probably where I need to be. Yeah, I kind of know, like, you know, maybe I need to fix this, or maybe I need to clean myself. You don't need to take a bath before you go to the Lord. The Lord is the bath. He just says, look, I don't need your efforts. I don't need your best wishes. What I need you to do, I need you to come to me. I need you to return to me. You can be free from apathy. You can be free from purposeless pain. We will all experience pain. But some of us experience pain with purpose and some of us experience pain for absolutely no reason. Because we never seek to return to the Lord. We can do this if we return to him. Returning of the Lord is this picture of repentance. Um, The Hebrew word is translated in the Old Testament more than a thousand times. And in this path, in this, excuse me, this book alone, Hosea, it's mentioned 23 times. And it's a major theme in the narrative of God's relationship with man. This idea of repenting. Well, what are we talking about? This idea of repenting, this idea of turning. Well, first thing, it means that you have to recognize some things. That you have to see some things uh, differently. That you, you allow God to shine a light on your life. So that's, that's what the Bible is. The Bible is, James says, it's, it's a, it's, we don't examine the Bible. The, the Bible examines, examines us. It's a soul examining mirror. It's like, you know, you go and you look in the mirror. And when you go look in a mirror, the, you're, you're not looking at the mirror. What you're doing, the mirror is, is essentially uh, looking at you. It's examining you. And you're kind of figuring out, okay, how do I look? Do I need to move my hair over? Da, da, da. You know, what do I need to do here? And that's what the Bible is. The Bible is that way. It's just like looking into a mirror. And so you don't like, oh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to understand you. The Bible's saying, look, I want to tell you about you. And so if you do that with, with the scriptures and you listen to the voice of God, you allow him to, to shine light on some things. So first thing about, this first thing about turning is that you have to see some things differently. You have to feel differently about some things. I used to be attracted to this. I'm not attracted to it anymore. I, I used to be roused by this, but now I'm repulsed by it. So you've got to, that's the first thing. You've got to see some things differently. Then comes the actual turning. You've got you to turn your back on some things. You, you were facing some things. You were near some things. You were uh, uh, attracted to some things. But you've got to turn from those things. You've got to go in the other direction. You turn for them. You start walking away. You leave that sin behind. You leave that mindset behind. You leave that practice behind. You're like, I don't want this anymore. I'm going to go in the opposite direction. I see, say, I'm seeing some things differently. I'm feeling differently about some things. So I'm going I'm to I'm allow God to do that. It's not always fun. It's not always pretty. It's always, it's hurt, it hurts. I'm going to turn from that and I'm, I'm going to walk in the in direction. So the things that used to be near to me aren't near to me anymore. I'm going to return to the Lord. I'm going to go back to him. I'm going I'm to turn from my own idea and go to him. Now, you and I have a major obstacle we have a major obstacle in returning to the Lord, and, and it's how Christianity was taught to us. Um, if, you, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, and uh, in North America, because Christianity get, primarily gets taught as a process. 
that there was, yes, there was this crisis when you came to faith, but now that you have faith, you enter this process. So there's this process to be a better dad. There's this process for better finances. There's a process to a better disciple. And in your witness and your knowledge of God, and you study this and process, 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 process. And now there's certainly a process to your growth. There's a big Bible word called sanctification, which means that you're, you're being conformed in the image of, uh, of Christ. And, and there are things like that. There, there, is a, there is an aspect to Christianity that is a process. There are some things in your life that take time to develop, but jot this verse down. Colossians 2.6, it says, as you receive the Lord, so walk in him. As you receive the Lord, so walk in him. Now, I don't, we don't have time to go through everybody's testimony, but I can imagine it goes something like this, that I was walking along, I, was, I thought I was too sexy for my shirt, and then God just dropped a boulder on my life. I mean, that's my testimony. That I thought I was something. I thought I had it figured out. I thought I knew well. And then all of a sudden, just a boulder gets dropped on my life. And now in an instant, I I don't think the way I used to think. I don't feel the way I used to feel. Something's different. Something's changed. That happened in a moment. That didn't happen over time. God, God, I... And, I, and because I've heard most of not everyone's story, I heard a lot of your stories, I know it's similar. Different circumstances, different ages, whatever. But God came along and there was this moment of crisis. Well, the Bible says, as you received him, so walk in him. The truth is this, you and I peri- periodically, if we're going to like have a relationship with God that's like a real one, like it's, you're going to be in it, periodically you and I need a crisis we need something in our life where we we were this way and that we I mean it's almost like we need to be continually have these conversion type experiences now please please understand I'm not dogging process I mean to be honest with you most of this church is built around the idea of process like like things are going to take time and so please don't hear me say like, yeah, a lot of that is. And, and, and in fact, it's even fair to say that most of your Christian walk is going to be a process. However, however, periodically, you and I, we need a crisis. We need, we need a moment where, when the, the, the weight of who God is, the, the rekindling of, of his presence on our heart, pressing on our heart, whether that's a, an awareness of our sin, or that's a, just an awareness of how amazing he is, or our heart sees someone who's, who's lost and destined for a terrible uh, future, that we, we begin to weep, we fall to our knees, we are overcome with emotion, we're overcome with, I don't want to be the same anymore. We, I, we need that periodically. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time that's happened for you? Well, I, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. Hey, listen, I need this. There, there are, there are, uh, I, there are attitudes that I have that are sinful. That the progress I'm making is minimal. And, and I want that to change. There is, um, there are things um, that I want to feel more. There are passions that I want. There are things that I want to be more important 
than they are to me. Um, maybe there was a time where they were more important to me. And, and I just, because I, I've, when I, how long ago was that? 17 years ago, when I first started tracking with Jesus, I, I would see people like, oh yeah, back in the 70s, back in the whatever, you know, their, their, their faith was time stamped. And I was just like, man, I just don't want that. I never want to say, man, it, this is the way my heart used to be. This is the way, this is the way I used to live. Because first of all, the Bible just flat out says that that's not wisdom. Don't ever say that the former days are better than the days ahead of us. It's just not true. Not with God. But hey, here's the good news. You can return to the Lord. And that's what this, this passage is. It's this invitation to come return to the Lord. When's the last time that you had a deep rekindling and passion for his word? When's the last time that you had a tender heart? Just at the, I mean, just seeing a lost person just made you weep. Or when's the last time that you came into like a worship service like this and like you just couldn't wait for the first note to drop because you wanted to join in with the saints, that you wanted to join in with the saints of old, the saints of now, the angels in heaven. You wanted in on that. If your heart is not there, man, my plead with you is to return to the Lord. Or turn to the Lord if you've not done that yet. Um... We're going to be doing a series over the next four weeks called Renew. Or we're just going to, we're going to stay in this place. So don't think in, you know, 15 minutes whenever this is over, like, oh, I'm glad that's over, okay. No, we're going to press onto this for a bit. Because this is important. This is a big deal. So I love this too, because it, it says, look, look at it, it says, come let us. I, I love that the text says, let us. It's great that we don't have to do this alone. It's great that we don't have to be the kind of place where we come in here and we pretend that our heart isn't dry. That we're not distant. Because here's what happens when you and I, when we collectively come in and we're just like, I don't want anybody to know. I, I just want to come in and come out, do my religious transactional thing. I don't. Here's what happens. You get further and further and further away from the source that, you, that your dry heart needs that my dry heart needs so we can we can be the kind of community that says hey let's let's do this together like let's come and do this together we can be kind of the community that we don't have to sit idly by and just kind of let people slide off into um what you know whatever is considered just what is normal american christianity we don't have to do that we don't have to let each other go down that path we say hey come on let's let's us do this together this is, a, this is a corporate thing. Because I know some of you come in, man, I, you feel alone. Maybe you're here today and you think, man, I'm, I'm, I'm alone in this. But how many people here, how many people here are willing to spend some time today praying for someone who's kind of going through a tough time? How many people here would want to do that? Yeah, there's a lot of people here who'd want to who'd do that. How many people here would just say, yeah, I'll pray with you, I'll help you. I, I can relate with where you're at. Here's the thing, you're, you're not alone. You may feel alone, but you're not alone. There's a community that wants to be here with you and for you. Pray with you, cry with you. And say, come on, let us, let's do this. Let's go return to the Lord. 
So how do we get to this place of crisis? I'll call this a place of revival. This is not the fun part. What's it say? What we got? We have this on the screen? Can we have that verse back up? Without the Jubilee? He has torn us. He has torn us. The path to revival is pain. This word tear speaks of a predator who grabs his prey with his sharp teeth and then shreds it and consumes it. It's the same word that Jacob uses when his brothers bring back the bloodstained coat of many colors. He says, surely he has been torn by animals. This is a severe word. It's not a happy word. The fact that we get torn about the fact that we get torn in life actually is not a big uh, shock to us. Uh, you just have to live a little bit, and you you know uh, you'll get that you'll get that phone call, you'll get that pink slip, uh, you'll get the doctor's report, you'll get the divorce. But you'll get you just have to live life long enough. It's not a shock that in life you get torn apart. Now, what may be a shock to you is that He, God, is doing the tearing behind the hurt in your life. It says he is wounding us. Now, why would God do that? Doesn't God love us? Doesn't he want good for things? God does these things, not in spite of loving us, but he does these things because he does love us. He's tearing apart your life. He's trying to create that next crisis in you. He's trying to bring you back. He's trying to draw your heart back. And that's why Paul could confidently say, I am convinced that, that, that all things work out for good for those who love him. I am convinced of the goodness of God, that I may suffer, I may have hardship, I may have pain, I may have all these things, but I am convinced of this. The best thing that could happen to your life right now isn't that you get the raise, it isn't that you get the spouse, it's not the health you wanted, the kids you wanted, whatever. That's not the best thing that could happen to you. The best thing that could happen to you is that you return to the Lord. Whatever that difficult thing in your life is. Whatever that thing that maybe even pleaded with God. Please take this thing away from me. Whatever that thing that is in your life. That, is, that feels like it's tearing your life apart. Let me just say. It may not go away anytime soon. This is for sure. It will not go away until it has completed its purpose in your life. It may go for a season. But it's coming back double time. Because God is Relentless. In going after those that he loves. And he would rather you go through anything than to experience um, a greater pain. Because notice what the goal is. He has torn us so that he may what? What's that say? Heal us. All, All in favor of healing. Yes, me too. That's what God wants to do. God wants to heal your family. God wants to heal your relationships. God wants to heal your finances. God wants to heal your joy. God wants to heal your purpose. God wants to do a healing work in your life. The clouds of heaven are full of his grace. They are bursting and they're ready to be poured on your life. Well, how do I get in on that? You return to the Lord. You return to him. He wants to do that. Just like a surgeon must wound to heal. Just like the skin must be broken for the tumor to be removed. Just like a bone must be broken to be properly set. So must God 
tear us so he could wound us. Excuse me, so he could heal us, sorry. Sorry. I, I, I got a glimpse of the McCutcheons and the Nene, and it just like, I just, sorry, it won't happen again. Um, here's the thing. We want the healing without the wounding, and I get that. I get it. So, Doc, I've got cancer. What do I got to do? We've got to operate. Is there any way you can remove that without cutting me open? Could you just, like, just take it away? No, it's got to be an incision. There's got to be a cut. We've got to break the bone and reset it. But the purpose in that is it would be healing. God's goal in our suffering is good. Job 5.17 says, Behold, blessed is the one whom God reproves. Therefore, despise not the discipline of the Almighty. For he wounds, but he binds up. He shatters, but his hands heal. God is not mean. But if we don't relent, if we don't respond, God would rather see anything happen to us than to see us continue to go further and further away. He will take us places we won't want to go to get the effect of a greater good. So let's keep going. Let's just walk through this text together. And after two days, he will... You could just leave that verse up there. After two days, he will revive us. That is, just it's just saying in a short time, in a very specified time, a day or two, after two days he will revive us and on the third day, when just to note, when it would be expected that the body would be buried, he will raise us up. Let me ask you, do you feel torn? Do you feel struck down even? Pressed to the ground? Maybe left for dead? It's been three days. It's time to bury. Left for dead. If you are a Christ follower, I've got massive encouragement for you. Jesus was struck down. Jesus was left for dead. But after two days, the Father revived him. After three days, he raised him up. God has not left you or abandon you. He knows that you're in the fire. And he has his hand on the thermostat. And he will not let you stay in that fire a minute longer than you need to. Not God. Not God. But he has you there for a purpose. Well, what's the purpose? Well, the purpose is so that you would return to him. He wants you to return to him. Okay, that's God's part. What's our part? This is how we're going to close. What's our part? Well, our part, he says, let us press on then to know the Lord. Let's press on to know him. And now this knowing is multifaceted. It's not just knowing facts about God, but it is knowing facts about God. How much do you know about God? Are, are, you, are you reading his word? Do you, do you know the nature and character of God? Can you spell that out? Can you, can you, can you do that? Can, do you know things about God? But it's not just knowing facts about God. It's a heart understanding of those facts. It's, under, it's, it's feeling it, it's knowing it, subje- not just objectively, but subjectively. And then it is the experience, it's understanding that in him I, I live and move and have my being. I, I, I experience him, so it's, it's an understanding and it's intentional. 
we don't just know, we don't just kind of like acknowledge who he is, we don't just kind of collect facts, but he says, let's press on to know. Like, let's really give us ourselves to this. Let's, let's make this our preoccupation. Let's press into him. Let's, let's put energy into this. Let's put effort into this. Let's put discipline into this. Which is not kind of do it. Let's press into this. Like, don't be so lethargic in this. Let us press on. Let us not be sluggish. Let's snap out of it. Say to your neighbor, hey, snap out of it. Go ahead. Snap out of it. Let's go on. Let's press on. I love how the Apostle Paul, how he landed on this topic. He says this. He says, for whatever I have gained, I count it as a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So he was just like, man, this is, this is the one thing. I'm forgetting what lies behind. I'm going after God. And he says this um, in uh, 1 Corinthians 9, kind of getting us psyched up for how this looks. He says, do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives a prize? So that you may run to obtain it. Every athlete exercise self-control in all things. So any, you know, didn't take... You know, these Olympic athletes, a a pro athlete, um, they don't just show up on game day. There is a lot of uh, practice that goes into that. There's a lot of sacrifice that goes into that. Uh, They're eating right. They're they're doing all kinds of things to go after an imperishable wreath. They do this to receive a perishable wreath. Excuse me, a perishable wreath. But we do this for an imperishable wreath. So do not run aimlessly. Do not box as one beating the air. He says, but I discipline my body to keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. This needs to be something. And so the writer's saying, like, hey, come on, let's return. Like, hey, look, we, 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 we've allowed God to shine a light on our heart, and it's not what we want. It's dry. It's, you know, it's, we're unmoved about things of God. We're unmoved about the plight of others. It's just, it's just kind of this routine thing. Just, just a heart isn't, isn't, it's not where it needs to be. How can you, how can you tend to your heart? Well, you've got to recognize some things. You've got to think differently about some things. You've got to feel differently about those things. And once that happens, you've got to turn. You've got you to put your back to those things. And then you've got to start to walk in the other direction. How do you walk in that direction? Well, you pursue the Lord. You, you go after him. You seek to know him. We say, hey, come on, let's, let's go for this. I mean, just in all that we do, I mean, when, when you know, we get up here, I know it's a broken record. Hey, community group, community group, community. What are we saying? We're saying, come on, let's, let's, let's do this. Let's build discipline in our life. Let's, let's, a night of the week, let's carve this out. Let's, let's go, for, let's, let's make this happen. Let's do this together. Let's, let's build in things to help us know the Lord. An athlete puts a great amount of discipline for something perishable. And we're going after something imperishable. In closing, I just want to say two things. Number one, that this is available. He says this, his going out is as sure as the dawn. Him coming and just flooding your life is as sure as the sun comes up every single day. There is no in God. I don't really feel like it today. That's not how God is. It says in Lamentations, that his mercies are new every morning. 
He just has fresh baked mercy for us every morning. For us, not just the ambiguous us, but the specific you. He has fresh mercy for you every morning. It's available if you want it. Secondly, it is abundant. It's, it, it says here he's not bringing a trickle of rain, but a shower. And there are really only two rainy, rains in, in Israel. There's a winter rain and there's a summer rain. And uh, it's like there's no rain at any other point in time. It just happens in these two periods. And the real, the, the rain that counts is the spring rain, which he's referring to. And it, there, it, it just rains all the time. I mean, like what we experienced a few weeks ago or whenever that was, that's the kind of rain that he's talking about. That's what he has in mind. He's saying, look, I'm not going to just like give you a little trickle out of your fridge of water. I'm going to send those late December rains that flooded your, ba- I'm going to flood your heart that way. There's going to be excess. There's going to be more than enough. It's going to revive. It's going to get deep underneath the surface and it's going to revive and refresh your soul. You're going to feel it again. You're going to, um, passion's going to come to your heart. Meaning's going to come into your heart. I'm not saying your life is going to be perfect. No one ever promises that. But the wisdom which you address your life, the perspective that you have, the angle that you have, is going to give you a joy above your peers. It's going to give you a peace above your peers. He, he, he's offering it. That's what he's saying to you. Say, hey, look, come Come back. Those of you who've like trying to get ultimate meaning, meaning out of a career, relationship, whatever. What are the other gods that this world has to offer? What are the gods that this world has to offer? Well, it's importance of career, self-actualization. You can be what you want to be. Um, relationship. Outward beauty. All those things. There's a list. Are you chasing after the gods of the world? They, they went after the gods and kings of the Assyrian world. Are you going after the gods and kings of... It's going gonna, it's gonna to develop in you a dry heart. And you'll be dissatisfied over and over and over. Well, Brian, what do I do about it? Well, this says, let's return to the Lord. 